Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast, where we share key information to help you lose weight the right way and then transition to a lifestyle that helps you keep it off. Hi everyone, Quincy here. In addition to our own take and perspective on all topics related to living healthy, weight loss, metabolic health, we have decided to start incorporating the addition of interviews with other amazing experts who are also really good at specific topics related to metabolic health and weight loss. This is our first interview with an outside expert. It's with Kelly Houghton, licensed clinical social worker. She graciously agreed to be our first expert and our guinea pig, and so we are so grateful for her. You guys, I learned so much from this interview, and I'm so excited for you to be able to listen to it. Without further ado, I'll start the podcast here. Please enjoy it. Hi, everybody. This is Quincy. Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast. I'm here with Cheryl, and we have a special guest with us today. It's Kelly Houghton. She is a licensed social worker. I got that right. Um, and we've invited Kelly here today because um, she and Cheryl have a great professional relationship. Cheryl has sent a lot of patients to work with Kelly, as Cheryl has seen them in her practice. And Kelly has worked with these patients with on the mental side of things mm-hmm. and the 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 behavioral health and the working through that. And we thought it would be so valuable to have you come join us and to really kind of help us out to be able to bring some understanding as to the mental side of things in regards to, to weight, obesity, metabolic health. So I think Cheryl has more questions than I do, but I'll weigh in as we need to, but I'm trying to turn over to you, Cheryl, and we'll go from there. Well, I'm really excited that Kelly could join us today. So thank you. Well, thank you for the invitation. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and currently I have my own counseling office, and I specialize in trauma, so treating like PTSD. I do, obviously, depression, anxiety, work with eating, obviously disorders also, and my background, though, is also in medical social work, um, and I've also worked in the um, with an organization that rescued with um, sex trafficking. So that plays into the trauma pieces of the sexual assaults. Yeah. Very interesting. That's quite a varied It's very eclectic. Yes. (laughs) Very eclectic. But I think it gives you, uh, when you have that eclectic, it gives you a more comprehensive view of, I think, when you're working with mental mental health. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. So my first question is, and the main reason I wanted to bring you on is because In my own practice, I see that we always focus on the diet and exercise, sleep, stress management, but nobody focuses on the mental health aspect of it. And I find it to be probably the number one thing that if we can kind of sift through some of these mental and emotional issues, then patients in the long run do so much better. Right. And I agree. I think, um, you know, when we think of a human, we're not silo right like it's not just the body it's not just the mind it's all comprehensive they all work together and I think the farther I get into um, my practicing more and more clients I see I see that more and more that the body and the mind um, are always integrated always a combination there's a really great book it's called the body always Mm -hmm. knows or it keeps the score the body keeps the score yes Mm -hmm. and it talks exactly about that how as humans we're so disconnected right now between the brain and the body and we have to find a way to reconnect those two Mm -hmm. and in the work i i do especially with trauma focus it all is focused on the client paying attention to the body and it's amazing how many clients come in not recognizing even the symptoms that they have that are associated with them with the um whether um, memories were processing, the events, 
even the the negative cognitions that they may have about themselves, they haven't ever really paid attention to like their stomach hurts or um, they feel something in their shoulders or their hands are clenched or a lot of times we're just not paying attention to the whole package. So that's a really that's really interesting. Um, what so what would patients be looking for? Mm-hmm. Why would they need to go to a therapist in this process, a chicken or the egg kind of thing? Right. Like, do I work on this through the diet exercise route? Should I mm-hmm. work on the mental health aspect? How do they even know where to start? Right. So it is kind of one of those things. I think it's um, if that you can do it simultane- simultaneously, right, that that would be the best. Um, and even with that, sometimes the third piece of that is medications if needed. Right. So it's a very, it's just the whole package sometimes is what's needed at one time. Um, But I think, you know, what we do as clinicians is I'm working with someone. I'm recognizing uh, that as we're working through the mental health pieces, that they need that medical piece of the wellness. They need um, a professional who's very um, skilled at knowing how to then put in the exercise, the diet whatever. Like I just can tell that piece is needing to be in and obviously vice versa. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a question? I did have some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're ready to, to transition a little yeah. bit, um, as you work with patients who are going through maybe trying to lose weight, focusing mm-hmm. on that or, or have dealt with obesity, what are the common uh, mental health mm-hmm. um, diseases? Or I don't, diseases isn't the right word, but maybe diagnoses, diagnoses yeah. that you're, mm-hmm. that you see in your practice that people who um, have obesity tend to have as well. Right. And the interesting thing, you know, when we talk about the body image, okay. I think it's not only um, obesity, but it's about this whole idea that their body is morphed or their body is, um, and it could go eating disorders on the other side too, right? But it's all kind of the same package. Mm-hmm. And it there's this underlying a root cause of that negative belief system or the the way that they're treating their body is um, can be depression, of okay. course, right? Because when we get down, we're not maybe implementing the things that we would want to implement. Um, the depression has more control than our own behaviors that we want, mm-hmm. right? The other would be, um, I see a lot of PTSD okay. correlations. Um, Interesting. That's probably one of the highest that I see. And that is... You know, when you have PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder, um, you've had some event in your life that has recreated a thought process uh, that is that is um, overpowering, where you have certain thoughts, certain behaviors that are more programmed because of the trauma, okay, than maybe what you would, which what you would want, right? So the trauma is more in control of you than you are the, the trauma. And that impacts any ability maybe to make changes? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're, so what that does is it puts you in kind of that fight, flight, or freeze all the time, right? It's you're always trying to protect yourself okay. from something. Um, the interesting thing through the work is, you know, sometimes we think of PTSD of extreme things like a tragic car accident or someone died or sexual assault or some of those extreme things, but mm-hmm. it's interesting in the work. What I see is sometimes it's just a negative belief system that has come into someone's mind because of some particular event. The interesting hmm. thing, and the body keeps the score kind of that book we reference kind of talks about this a little bit, but honestly you can have an experience and I have had some, some clients with this 
where, say, in first grade, they were bullied on the playground and they were bullied because of their body. So the image, even as, say, an adult or the thought in their mind is, I am fat, I am ugly, I'm not good enough. And it really, the root goes back to being bullied on the the playground because a bunch of kids put in that developmental stage, that brain, you're fat, you're ugly. And that honestly stays until, uh until they can look at that memory. And what we say is kind of reprocess the memory to put another angle on it or put positive messaging instead of the negative messaging. Interesting. So then no matter how much that person weighs throughout their life, they still have this belief system that they're fat, they're ugly, they're whatever. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting how, so sometimes trauma is just an event that programs something in your brain that now has a negative belief are you, are you protect yourself from that? Yeah. Or a junior high experience or a high school or absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so it's, so like with my clients, we do event timelines, trauma timelines. And a lot of times we're looking for even some of those events of messaging, bullying, or even sometimes it's parents like a father. So if we're talking about women, fathers, have a lot of um, uh, influence over daughters, right, Mm -hmm. in regards to body image. So as you're working with a client, a father could have frequently asked their daughter about how much weight they've gained. Or um, you're not – so you could have a client that, you know, went shopping with their dad – to buy a piece of clothing and the dad makes a comment about, oh, well, your stomach is hanging a little farther out. And so that sticks with them. Yes. Interesting. And that is a powerful moment that changes the belief system of how they feel about themselves. Wow. And that will stay with them. And then they just assign that to them. Well, they're, I'm just fat. My body's not positive. And they need a... Uh, a behavior health specialist to yes. help them process that. And sometimes it's not even processing. So that is an important step. Sometimes it's the recognition of how, how that imp- that event actually impacted them that they didn't recognize. Okay. So that's kind of the interesting thing is sometimes I'll be working with a client and they will feel like they've never had that negative messaging, but then I go back on their timeline and it's really interesting because you can see the emotional response when they talk about the events. So, okay. Even if we go back to that kindergarten event, someone could actually get emotional just talking about the event at 40 some odd years old. Uh huh. Wow. But you don't think it made that kind of impact, right? Yeah. But it did. So. And that's affected everything down the road. And it affects a lot about, so all these situations we're talking about does impact when you have a negative belief system about yourself or negative messaging, it does impact your daily interactions with food. Is it because in the people in those situations use maybe as a, a, you talked about defense mechanisms Mm -hmm. earlier. Now you've suffered this trauma, whether it's a big scale or a small scale. Mm -hmm. And now they're using maybe, is it, is that when people use food as like a defense mechanism? Yes. So they'll eat a lot or less or. Exactly. No, no, no. And you're right. It goes either way. Right. So we, because food is such a uh, part of our daily life. Right. And it is 
one of the easiest things to self-sabotage with, yeah. whether depriving self of food or giving self too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is a tool that's easily accessible to either um, feel like you're, if you're, you know, not eating food, that's a control piece where you're controlling like, well, I'm going to take care of this fight, flight, or freeze feeling by not eating anything. Uh-huh. Or the opposite, um, self-sabotaging could be, I'm going to eat more food because I've already been assigned that I'm, I'm fat, fat already because everyone already believes that. Right. Because the kids told me that my dad told me that my mom told me that. So it's like an assigned. Mm -hmm. You just play the role. Right. Or self-sabotaging because of sexual assault. It can be a protective factor. Well, if I'm if I'm overweight, then men won't be interested in me. And I'll protect myself. And I'll protect myself from the trauma of it. Wow. Um, And so but I, I can say that most clients when they come in don't understand where it's coming from yet okay because people don't take the well they may not have the tools to understand how to break it down to get to the root of what is this belief system why is this happening and that's the value of a Mm -hmm. a mental health professional Mm -hmm. who can help you with that yeah and the other thing that um you know comes up quite a bit that i see you know there's one thing to read it in textbook and then you know there's just what you just see in practice, mm-hmm. right? And what I see in practice a lot um, associated with PTSD um, and negative belief systems is a lot of times if we do a body scan, what we call it, you know, body scan is like, where are you feeling it in your body as we're talking about this event? A lot of times it is the stomach that comes up. Yeah. Right. We think of the the stomach as the second brain. Yes. It, that's yeah. where we house a lot of the emotions and feelings that we right. have. Right. And you see that like client after client after yeah. client um, that and and they don't know that that's what we know. Right. right? Yeah. All they know is as we're talking about this, I don't feel good in my stomach. My stomach hurts. And obviously the stomach is associated a lot with eating. Yeah. One way or another. Right. So my stomach doesn't feel well, so I need to feed it. But really what they were feeling was their body was just feeling anxious or some, they were having some trigger of self-defense, but all they do is feel it in their stomach. So they're trying to get their stomach to feel better. better. And again, that can go either way with food. It can be trying to feed it so it feels better or it's the opposite of I'm not going to eat anything because my stomach hurts. So you be, so you're not, you're not intaking food in a healthy way. You're trying to, it's like this, um, trying behaviors to calm down your stomach or make it feel better when really what it's about is a mental health thing. It's anxiety, it's PTSD, it's something else going on. Interesting. That is really interesting. I remember I have family members who have struggled with depression and Mm -hmm. one sister had talked to me, um, about, you know, stomach issues that she had been right. feeling as well. But it, she she's a massage therapist and she learns about acupressure points. Mm-hmm. And she said even there's a lot of meridians that go to the stomach that are associated with depression, right. which is, you know, yeah. Eastern medicine. But right. even, even with that, that's pretty neat. But it goes to that whole idea that your body is all just super connected, right? And yes. we're just, I, I think what I have learned is we're just not paying attention. We're not listening to it enough Gotcha. to get to the root of what we're trying to fix. 
Okay. I agree 100%. I yeah. see this in practice all the time where yeah. I'll have a patient who we've got the four pillars of health down, diet, exercise, sleep, stress mm-hmm. management. They own it. And they're still, they're not losing any weight. Right. And that's when we come to the mental behavior, emotional mm-hmm. aspect of it. And I would say 99% of the time there really is some underlying trauma or experience right. that is being hidden with food. Right. And I think with... um you know, sometimes when we talk about the body is, you know, when we talk about whether weight loss or um, getting to certain weights, a lot of times too, what we're after is along that process, it's that they feel more in control or they feel good about themselves during the process, Mm -hmm. right? You don't have to all of a sudden really like yourself at a certain weight. You can like yourself along the way. Right. You can change negative beliefs into positive beliefs about yourself. Um, and I think that's super important for the process of it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. That's what's going to make it sustainable. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to get st- stuck in the diet culture and you'll lose the weight and you gain the weight and you lose it and it goes back and forth. Right. And you still don't feel any different about yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the interesting part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then those underlying issues associated with that lack of love for yourself are going to sabotage you or make it more challenging or you're going to still eat maybe to defend yourself and not eat to protect yourself or you're not oh interesting yeah because we want people to love themselves and feel empowered and in control no matter what weight you're at right um and then losing the weight is just part of a health a fitness so whatever an extra piece of it your self-worth is not dependent on exactly. your on what that number is on the scale. Exactly. Because, you know, I think all of us who work in the healthcare industry or I guess just in our everyday life mm-hmm. recognize that one weight for someone feels wonderful and the same weight for someone else does not. And so number, we just, you just have to, that empower, I think it's the empowerment piece that I, okay. I feel like is missing a lot. Mm-hmm is because they don't believe enough in themselves mm-hmm. because that negative, again, that negative belief system is more present than the positive. But okay. I, it's really um, a neat experience with me when I see clients switch. You can tell when the switch happens okay. in their brain uh, that they all of a sudden really believe that they are capable. They believe that they're worth something. They believe that they have the ability and the skill set. And when that belief system comes in, you can, it's just like a, the switch turns on, which is it. really interesting. I love it. It's like you feel the energy of it. Okay. Yeah. And I know every client's different, every patient mm-hmm. is different. But like, what are, wh- how do you help somebody do that? What are some of the tools that you use right. to help people love themselves? Yeah. So I always, um, so I have all these steps I kind of mm-hmm. go through, but. The, if I was to, what I tell my clients is I always like to keep one foot in the present and the future and one foot, one foot in the past Okay. because we are who we are because of our past, right? Like why we act the way we act, why we think the way we think. But a lot of times we haven't really analyzed where that messaging came from or what really programmed us. So I kind of, if we talk about the two different segments, one segment is I work on what their goals are right now. And we do, you know, basic CBT. So that's like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is small, tangible goals. Okay. So we're working on those while 
we start working on the past. And, and part of that is doing the trauma timeline, doing the event timeline where we can see a life on the board of like, where have you had consistent messaging um, that has made you believe that you're not good enough, you're not worth, mm-hmm. um, you don't have value. Mm-hmm. Um, I also look for very specific events like sexual assaults, um, obviously abuse, any type of trauma. Yeah. And then we start working on those. And the the intervention I use is EMDR, which is a trauma-focused therapy mm-hmm. um, that's been proven to be effective. And you know, it's one thing to read that it's effective, but I will say, you hate to say 100% of your clients yeah. have seen a, a, a di- you've seen a difference or change in them, but I, I feel like that's pretty close to the number. Okay. And again, it's, it's going after a memory or a belief system and helping them to see how it's impacted them and then having them feel like they're more empowered or more in control over the memory or the belief. That's wonderful. It reminds me yeah. of that movie Inside Out. Yes. Everything. Yes, <laughs> <Like> exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love that movie. I do too. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> yeah, but I think part of it is just taking the time to get to know oneself. So with my clients, I always say my whole focus of therapy with them is I don't have like a particular outcome. My goal is every time they're in my office, they understand something more about themselves. Okay. So it's not me teaching them things. It's them on like a self-discovery. And as they discover that, mm-hmm. they can probably manage and learn to work through those things that have affected their behavior exactly. and improve. Because what it does is, again, is once you understand yourself and the root of why you're doing what you're doing, it gives you more control and it gives you more empowerment. Okay. Because now you are understanding why you're acting the way you're acting, why you think why you're thinking the way you're thinking where before people think it's just a random thing. Well, this is just the way I am. This is just who I am. And they kind of, you know, just kind of give into that. We're really, we're a lot more in control of ourselves and our thoughts than we think we are, but it's kind of helping the tools to come in to help them see that. Okay. What I'm hearing from you is that if people are able to get to that point, Mm -hmm. then all the other mental health issues, quote unquote, that they're having, whether it's um, bulimia, anorexia, binge eating disorder, mm-hmm. body image issues. Uh, are there others that I'm missing? I, I mean, That's different mental close. health, yeah. but I mean that if they can work through the way you've described mm-hmm. it, those other things will just be taken care of. Right. And they'll understand why the whys. I think it's always important just in medicine in general, right? It's always mm-hmm. important to get to the origin of what is happening. Why? Why okay. is it happening? And that's the same with mental health. I think it's going to the, trying to find the root of mm-hmm. what it is. Some clients, it is very obvious and other clients, you have to work, you know, through sessions after sessions, mm-hmm. but it's really interesting when that light bulb moment happens when all of a sudden you've tapped into it and they're mm-hmm. like, ah, I understand why I believe this about myself. I understand why I think this. I understand what is causing this anxiety, depression. Now, granted, sometimes it is a chemical yeah, imbalance, right? Sure. So I don't want to disregard that. Like there are times where people need medications or something to balance them mm-hmm. more. Um, but there are there is this piece of people gaining the skills to understand themselves more and to feel empowered 
to have more control over their behaviors. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Lots to think about. I know. Um, one of the questions that I had that I wanted to ask you is if somebody who is on a weight loss journey or trying to better their health, not just, I mean, we try to even steer away from the phrase weight loss. We right. don't love that phrase because mm-hmm. our goal is to help people be healthy. Right. Um, and that a natural outcome is their body will be healthy. But um, what are ways that they, from a mental health side of things, that they sabotage themselves? What are things that you've seen in your practice that people who they're trying their best, but they're being sabotaged mm-hmm. by X, Y, and Z? You know, um, gosh, there's such a variety. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, and I and I like that you say about the weight loss because with my clients, we we try to stay away from those words too, and I have them replace the word with, yeah, fitness, health, some other yeah. term that feels it's good like to it's them. like the word diet mm-hmm. has such a negative mm-hmm. connotation when really it's just what you eat, but right. it's in our society and culture. I know weight loss has the same. Yeah, can probably trigger. Right. A lot of things. And sometimes that word's replaced with freedom. Like they feel like they have more freedom to do things. Um, Like I can go hike a mountain or I can play with my kids or opportunities would be another Mm. word, right, that could come up. Um, That it's opening up something that doesn't exist right now with them. Um, So sabotaging. I. So one of the biggest things, so in my practice – I only work with females. Like I'm just a female focused practice. So when I talk about my clients, they've been females, right? But I would think it would go to any gender, right? Um, A lot of times with females, the self-sabotage is lack of self-care. They are not, they Mm. don't feel that they are important enough or valuable enough to put in the priority as maybe the top, which is what we work on, is okay. you need to take care of yourself so you're able to take care of other people. Okay. Um, so a lot of it is on self-care and prioritizing themselves. Okay. Okay. So that's one. Um, and that goes in regards to logistics, right? Like schedules. Um, they put everyone else's schedules first except for themselves. So I don't – so they'll say, well, I don't have time – to go to the gym or I don't have time because I got to get my kids to this and my husband needs this or my partner needs this or my job needs this. Mm, okay. And that honestly is a self-sabotaging thought process that I'm not important enough. And what we talk about is anything that's important, you find time to put in mm-hmm. as a priority, right? Yeah. But they've chosen because of whatever belief system to put themselves at the bottom. And so by doing that, that negatively affects their ability right. to make. And maybe that goes into the messaging of I'm not good enough or oh. I'm only good enough if I serve everybody else. Just, that they see themselves as a server yeah, and they right. only have worth if they're serving. Exactly. So it's okay. kind of trying to tap into what – and every person is going to be different, mm-hmm. right? But it's trying to tap in with that individual. What is your belief is happening here? Gotcha. And, uh, and clearly, self-care is top priority for every single human, right? Like, yeah. we have to take care of ourselves to be able to take care of other people, if that's what your goal is, right? Gotcha. Or we need to take care of ourselves so we can work, so we can be productive, so we can meet our goals. Yeah. Like, Okay. Yeah. I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any other questions, Cheryl? 
I think we've run through. I think we've done, yeah, yeah, quite a bit. Anything else that you think would be beneficial for our listeners to know? Busy parents struggling with um, their their health, their their uh, metabolic health, their weight. Yeah. So if we go back to what we were talking about, self care, one of the self care pieces that comes in is I don't have time to go to a physician, right, or to a to a clinic to take mm-hmm. care of um, to take care of me. I don't have time to go to therapy. Gotcha. Where the reality of it is, is if someone, and I've seen this over and over, when someone puts those pieces in, they're able to meet their goals. They're able to take care of themselves better. They're able to take care of family better. They're able hmm. to meet um, more exciting goals, like they've been wanting to travel or Whatever it is, like, it's interesting how we talk ourselves out of something that will actually help us to maybe have more time or to be better at what we're doing. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I would say this is a great plug for if you do not have a counselor or a mental health professional working with, it's, it's good to look into it. Yeah, absolutely. I would highly... If it was my way, <laughs> every single person would go through therapy. Like I said, and it, what therapy to me is a self-discovery of learning more about oneself. And we all need to do that. Yeah, that's so, true. Agree. Yeah. Thank you. Thank well, you so much. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for joining us on the Why We Elevate podcast. We want to hear what you think about this podcast and encourage you to continue the discussion in our Facebook group the Why Wait Elevate community. Also, if you found this episode to be helpful, can you share it with your friends that would appreciate listening to it? And if you found our podcast to be helpful, we would love it if you would leave us a review. It helps others hear about our podcast, and we really want to help as many people as we can. Thank you for taking a moment in your day to spend time with us.